This is the Hero Award-winning SF Signal podcast. I'm your host. My name is Patrick Hester. I can usually be found on Twitter or Facebook as ATFMB. That's all things from my brain. And tonight I have a very special guest, Sophia Samatar. Some, I already messed it up. I knew I would. <laughs> is the author of the novel, A Stranger in Olandria. The Hugo and Nebula nominated... See, I knew I would mess it all up. I told you that I would. Okay. <laughs> Sophia is the author of... The novel, A Stranger in Olandria. The Hugo and Nebula-nominated short story, Selkie Stories Are for Losers, and other works. She has won the John W. Campbell Award. Did you get to wear the little tiara, or was that before? I got the tiara in the mail, and it was fabulous. I had it for a year. That's very cool. She's also won the Crawford Award, the British Fantasy Award, and the World Fantasy Award. Two of her stories were selected for the inaugural edition of the Best American Science Fiction and Fantasy. She lives in California. I'm not going to hold that against her. I grew up in Fresno. She has a new book coming out from Small Beer Press in March 2016 that you can pre-order right now if you go to their website. It's called The Winged Histories. And here's the blurb. Four women, soldier, scholar, poet, and socialite, are caught up on different sides of violent rebellion. As war erupts and their families are torn apart, they fear they may disappear into the unwritten pages of history. Using the sword and the pen, the body and the voice, they struggle not just to survive, but to make history. You can find her on Twitter at Sophia Samatar, and her website is the same, sophiasamatar.com. Is that all correct? Did I pronounce it right, or did I mess it all up? No, it sounds great. Okay, good. Well, thanks for coming on tonight. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. You are, uh, you're an hour behind me, so you're in California. So you just got hit with all the rain. We did. And now it's coming here to Colorado in the form of snow. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. That was not fun this morning. <laughs> not at all. So Small Beer Press, that's your publisher. That's my publisher, and I love them. Yeah? How come? Mm-hmm. Well, I actually loved Small Beer Press as a reader before mm-hmm. I was one of their writers. So um, I'm a big fan of Kelly Link. So it's uh, it's very thrilling to have her as an editor. But I also, um, I guess I would say what I love most about Small Beer is that their their list feels curated. You know, mm. you when you go to get a small beer book, you know what you're going to get. You know it's going to be something strange and unconventional. So, uh, yeah, I loved, you know, they were my top choice. I loved them so much as a reader. It was very exciting to become one of their writers. So is that also how you would describe your books? Strange and unconventional <laughs> and marvelous? Sure. Yeah. Let's go with that. Well, obviously they must be because, you know, Small Beer picked them. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So tell us a little bit about the first one. Um, well, the first one... Um, and, and these are standalone books, correct? They, well... I mean, they're not tied together? They are loosely tied oh, together. Okay. Let me put it that way. Okay. So um, they do stand alone. You, I mean, there, there's you, you can definitely read them independently of each other. There is a, a secondary character, sort of a, a minor character in A Stranger in Alondria, who becomes a major character in The Winged Histories. So there is, and, and The Winged Histories does follow A Stranger in Alondria in time. So there are a couple of, yeah, there are a couple of, connections between them, but they also work independently. So A Stranger in Alondria is about a young man named Jevik who comes from a non-literate culture. So he comes from a place where 
there aren't books, reading and writing. It's not a thing. And he has a tutor that teaches him to read and write. And he travels to Alondria, where there's a highly literate culture. And he's very excited about going to this land of books because he's become a big reader and lover of books. And then so, in so, Alondria... So if this ends with him breaking his glasses and not being able to read, I am going to be so upset. Please, no spoilers. <laughs> Can I ask a little respect? Um, well, okay. We'll just pretend that you didn't give that away. But he... I'm talking about the classic Twilight Zone episode <laughs> with Burgess Meredith. He becomes haunted by a ghost Ooh. is what happens to him. And it's the ghost of a young woman from his own country who wants him to write her story. And things kind of go from there. Very cool. That's awesome. And and uh, according to the rest of your bio that I was reading, you wrote that uh, when you were traveling, when you were teaching. I was. I was. Um, I was working as a high school teacher in um, in Sudan, in what's now South Sudan. Okay, and that that's like that's like a very dangerous part of the world right now. Um. Yes. And it was when I was there as well, although obviously you can't run a school in very, you know, insecure conditions. So I was in a town called Yambio, which um, Yambio is is kind of in the far southwest of Sudan. And it was very far from the front at that time. And it was kind of not it's it wasn't uh, considered a strategic area, so it wasn't being bombed or anything like that. Okay. Um, so you could have a school there, and there was. It was at that time the only secondary school, the only high school in that part of the country. And what were what were you teaching? I was teaching English. And 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 you just got this huge grin on your face. So I'm I'm assuming that this is ridiculously rewarding work. It was. It was great. I loved it. Yeah? Yeah. Just just helping these kids? Yeah. Um, although, you know, now that you say that, it is part of, you know, I wrote A Stranger in Alondria while I was there. Sure. And so one of the, the questions that kind of gets turned over and, and um, worried at in that book is kind of a struggle between oral and written ways of knowing. Mm-hmm. And that came directly out of my going to South Sudan and teaching there and loving it. And of course, it was a great thing to do. And at the same time, I was part of bringing, you know, English and literacy into what was primarily an oral way of life. And, you know, there are questions about that, about the price, the cost of things and and sort of what gets lost. So it was wonderful. And I also became a little ambivalent about it and remain ambivalent about it. Interesting. Well, I know I know a lot of people just do stuff like that, right? They they just go off and 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 teach kids in in other countries and and they come back and tell stories and talk about how rewarding it is. I know uh, one of my friends from high school traveled quite a bit before he actually settled in Japan mm-hmm. and and teaches English there, which is not the same at all. But I mean, you know, he he traveled a lot before he he settled there. So it's just something that that folks do, and and I applaud them for it. You know, I'm I'm kind of tied to Colorado at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Can't quite get out that way. <laughs> so you wrote the book. When when did you like before that? When did you get the bug to write? 
When, when, when did you know that this was something that you wanted to do? I've been writing since I was about five years old. Oh, really? Yeah. My Novels? first, uh, yes, yes. My first book was called Simpy and the Rat. <laughs> and it was about a little girl called Simpy who, um, gets a pet rat and, you know, her mother, her parents freak out and want her to get rid of this disgusting animal, but, um, she loves it. And in the end convinces everybody that she should get to keep it. And she does. Very cool. And when did you decide to start actually trying to go out and get stuff published? Um, I decided to do that after I had written A Stranger in a Laundria. Okay. It was the first thing. And I know, well, I didn't know it at the time. I later learned <laughs> that it's very um, kind of what people usually do is do short fiction first <laughs> and kind of get things out there and get their name known and then come out with a novel. But I didn't know that. And I'm I'm more of a, a natural novelist. I came to short fiction a bit later. So, um, yeah. So I was a complete unknown when I walked up to the small beer table at um, Wiscon. And went up to Gavin and said, "Hey, I wrote this book." <laughs> so I, I have to, I have to ask you about the Wisconsin connection because you just mentioned Wisconsin. You're wearing a Wisconsin jersey. Yes, um, I went to school there. Oh, okay, I went to graduate school there. Yeah. Okay. So, so I, I have to. You're. Are you? A, are you a sports fan at all? I wish I was more of one. I'm. I'm very passionate about the World Cup soccer. Okay, soccer is fine as long as you're yeah. not a Packers fan. If you're a Packers fan, this conversation's over because I was born in Chicago. Okay, we need to not talk about this because <laughs> I know too many people in Wisconsin. So we're going to end that particular subject right there. So we're going to add that to the three rules. I understand. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> I actually work in an office with a lot of guys who went to school in Wisconsin, and they're all Packers fans, and they uh, it's relentless. It really is. <laughs> So, so you just you just walked up to them and said, "Hey, I love your stuff, and I've got something you I think you might like." I did. Well, I bought a couple of books. Mm -hmm. I thought that would be, you know, a good move. Sure. Um, and I wanted them, um, so I bought a couple of books, and then yeah, I, that's what I said to Gavin was, "Hey, I wrote this book," and he said, "What's it about?" And I said, "A very I don't remember exactly what I said. I think I said it's a love story, but one of the lovers is dead." And he was kind of, uh, he didn't look that, <laughs> he didn't look that excited about it. And, um, finally and they, he said, and, well, I'll send me three chapters. And they communicate by a, a, a mailbox on the property. <laughs> 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 so that's awesome though. I mean, I, I, I actually love those kinds of stories. I, I love when someone just takes a chance and puts themselves out there and is rewarded for that. that That's awesome. And as you said, it doesn't happen very often in this industry in publishing, especially in science fiction and fantasy, where it's it's so competitive and so hard to get you know something published. Now, I'm interested. You mentioned that you are a natural-born novelist and that you've only recently got into shorter fiction and writing shorter fiction. It's a completely different medium I, as far as i'm totally. concerned totally yeah Absolutely. i mean you, you're writing a novel you could take three chapters to very you know just draw something out and in a short story you, you those three chapters need to be confined to like the first three sentences yeah yeah, absolutely. I, I, you know, every once in a while, you'll you'll hear somebody say, you know, oh, I'm training, you know, I'm training to write my novel by, um, by writing short fiction, and it's just like, no, you're not. 
You're not because you're not training for a triathlon no. by like making omelets. You know, they're <laughs> they're two completely different things. Well, yeah, and, and it's interesting when you follow people on on social media on Facebook and Twitter, you'll see short story writers who who identify as short story writers saying, you know, I've started trying to work on my novel, and they're miserable. Yeah, miserable because mm-hmm. it's it's really difficult to go that way. You know, from short. To, to longer fiction, it's just as difficult as it is going from longer fiction to shorter fiction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I had, I mean, many abysmal failures when I started trying to write short fiction, and there are many editors that I'm grateful to for having rejected those stories, because otherwise they would be out there, <laughs> and it would be terrible. <laughs> so... Well, yeah. the, the the prerequisite question that you always have to ask in one of these interviews is like, what what influenced you? What 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 were you reading or watching or consuming a, as a mm. kid and stuff that that made you want to be part of you know science fiction fantasy? Um, I okay, well, C.S. Lewis to begin mm-hmm. with. I mean, I guess fairy tales probably even before that, and then the Narnia books, and then Tolkien, who. Um, was huge for me as a kid and remains huge for me now and is still, I think, um, you know, pretty much unequaled. Um, and Ursula Le Guin, mm. another one, especially the, um, the Earthsea books sure. were very influential to me. Again, that's something that it, it doesn't stop, right? I loved them as a kid. I love them now. Um, and then... When I was about 13, I think, my mom randomly went to a used bookstore and came back with this weird, ugly paperback and said, I saw this and I thought you might like it. And this is actually the only time I can remember my my mother ever just randomly bringing me a book like that. And it was Gormenghast by Mervyn Peake um, and became one of my favorite books. And at that time, you know, they were out of, they weren't in print. Mm. And, and so I, you know, I had the, the mid, I knew I had the middle book of these three books and I didn't have any, you know, there was no internet and it was a sad time and I didn't have any way to get them. Um, so I, I, then it, eventually I read them all. I love that story so much that you just told. I do because it's like what my mom did. My mom used to bring books home to me all the time and, and I loved it and when you talk about yeah before the internet and stuff I, I wrote letters to authors because I was angry that their books I couldn't find them because they were out of print Aww. you know and there, and there was a couple who would, who wrote back did and they said, write well, back? yeah uh, one of them was Dennis L. McKiernan so you said you liked Tolkien and you know yeah. he, he tried to write sequels to Tolkien Oh. And and got shot down by the family, and then um, the publisher said, "Well, we like it anyway, so change it enough that it's not really a sequel, and then we'll publish them." So he published a bunch of books in Mythgar, is what he called the world. Oh. And I, I came across one, and when I tried to find more, they were all out of print. And so I sent him a letter at the time, and he he sent me a letter back, and he's like, "Well, I'm working on a deal right now. Calm down. I'm gonna get it back in print." <laughs> <laughs> and they did come back and print, and I was able to buy them. But it was just, it was just hilarious. So no, that that story, I love that story. You yeah. Know, well, love- Mervyn Peak was dead, Ugh. so I also couldn't send him. A, I, you know, it was sad. Sure. But that that sparked something in you. Yes. That's awesome. And did you did you give mom a big hug? Um, I definitely thanked her, <laughs> but I don't. I didn't know yet how good the book was, oh, or I would have. Okay. 
Gotcha, gotcha. Well, that's awesome. So, so you you always were writing novels. You never you never even thought about short fiction until after. Yeah, I was always writing unfinished novels. Okay. <laughs> How did you get over that hump? Because that's a huge deal for a lot of people. Uh, yeah, it was a huge deal for me too. I have I don't even know how many novels I started um, before that. Um, well, a big part of it was that I was not in school mm. for the first time. So the job that I had in Sudan was really my first grown-up job. Sure. Um, and so, you know, I didn't have homework assignments. I, I had to grade other people's work, but I didn't have to compose and come up with term papers and all of that. Um, I also had a lot of time. There was a 6 p.m. curfew and not, you know, so after that you were just in your house and, uh, you know, no TV, no internet. Um, we had a radio, but, you know, um, my husband and I did a lot of reading, hmm. um, and we did a lot of writing. In fact, we both wrote novels there. Oh, wow. That's awesome. And I'm assuming on computers. No. Long oh. in notebooks. Are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> You look horrified. Well, I just I just had this conversation. So, oh my gosh. We added two members to my critique group and and one of them I was complaining about how I was somewhere and my computer was dead. I forgot to charge it and I couldn't write and it was really driving me up a wall. And she's like, "Why didn't you just write longhand?" I can't do it. At my brain and my hand I go <laughs> I go too fast and and I start getting really sloppy and horrible and before you know it I can't even read what I'm writing anymore because my I've brain's going too fast. That. Yeah, yeah, I've heard I've heard that complaint. Um, I don't know. I may have a slow brain, but um, I still write longhand. Really? I, I do. I actually can't write. I can revise at a computer. So after I write the thing down by hand, I'll you know type it up and then I can revise it. You know, wow. once it's done, but the very first draft by hand. Well, don't, don't, please don't misunderstand. I completely admire that. I think it's amazing that you can do it. I just know that I can't. But that, that's awesome. That is incredible. It is what it is. I mean, <laughs> you, know, you do whatever you got to do. Are you, are you best friends with Mary Robinette? I, I know. Should I be? <laughs> she loves, I, she loves I, handwriting. She loves oh. she loves getting actual written letters in the mail. Oh, yeah. All right. So Follow now, that. yes, now you need to write her a letter and send it to her. So she she actually does that. There's one month of the year where she asks people not to send her email to only send her written letters. Oh, I like that idea. Yeah. Right. And and I mean, it does keep it alive because you know not a lot of people are are doing handwriting anymore. Yeah. Everybody's you know looking down at their phones like this going. <laughs> which which is a great visual for for audio podcast let me tell you <laughs> so when did you when did you decide to start working on the second book um right after the first one. Oh, immediately okay immediately i had actually um i had always imagined well i will admit that at one point it was a trilogy because that's what you do sure. right in fantasy mm -hmm. um but as I worked on the second book, it started to feel like this was kind of a two-book thing. Now, 
because so many people, you know, others before me have said, I will never write anything in this world again. And then they go back and you know, change their mind 20 sure. years later. So I'm not going to say that. I'll never say, you know, no more Alondria. But I did wind up thinking of this as kind of a two book thing. And it, it feels complete to me at this point. So I wrote the second one right after the first one. Took, I don't know, maybe about three years to get the first draft. And then um, I, I wanted to write them together rather than try to publish the first one right away because I didn't want to run into continuity problems later, mm. you know, or yeah. something happens like I want to move a town and now I can't because the first book's out there. So sure. I wrote the first draft of both books and then I set out trying to find an agent um, for a stranger in a laundria and failed. <laughs> it's difficult to get an agent. It really mm-hmm. is. Yes. Tell me about it. And, and by the way, I'm imagining you sitting in in the Sudan in this in this little house, and you've got a desk, and there's just sheafs of paper everywhere that you're just scribbling furiously on. Close, but they were spiral bound <laughs> notebooks. <laughs> oh come on! Dang it! Sorry. No, that's okay. Well, you know what? And and I will show you. I've got. I do keep my my notes here as I'm oh, as I'm podcasting, so I do write a little bit. But yeah, it's just just difficult for me handwriting. So so, when did you when did you come back to the states? Um, I came back to the states. Um, well, I I went to Sudan in 1998, mm-hmm. and I was there for three years, and then I moved to Egypt. Oh wow! And I was there for about nine years and I came back to the U.S. in 2009 to go to graduate school at the University of Wisconsin in very Madison. Cool. Very cool. And ha- I'm just curious, how many languages do you speak? Um, I speak two languages well. That's English and Arabic. Mm-hmm. And then I have some other languages that are bad <laughs> in various stages of disrepair. <laughs> I've always said I could survive in any Spanish-speaking country where they have a Taco Bell. <laughs> Yes, I grew up in Fresno. And you would think in Fresno, I would have taken Spanish. No, I took Latin. Oh, but Latin's cool. It I is. I would have loved to take Latin. But can you go to, a, go to a country where they speak Latin. It doesn't exist. It's a country of the mind. Uh, anyway, so so you, you, you came back in, in 2009, I believe you said? Mm-hmm. And, and does, is that when you sought out? an agent or did you actually seek out an agent in 2002? No, I had been trying from, let's see, from when I finished the second book. So yeah, about 2003 or 2004, 2004. So I'd been trying while I was in Egypt, Mm -hmm. I'd been trying to get an agent and I tried for five years. And and I, I know that I'm asking a lot of questions about this because I'm fascinated. I love the journey. Right, that, I do they, too. that the authors yeah. take to to get to the 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 level where they finally get it published, and it's like this breath, you know, it's like this sigh, right? It's like, oh, I finally, I, someone understands my genius. They're going to publish the book. <laughs> <laughs> so, when did you go to when did you go to Wisconsin? I went to Wisconsin. So I I moved to Wisconsin in the fall of 2009. Mm-hmm. So then it was in 2010, um, in the spring, that I went to Wisconsin. Okay. And talked to Small Beer and then started that whole yep. process. Yep. 
did did when did they did they put a deal on the table for you and then suddenly agents started saying, "Yeah, I'll, I'll help you out." That did actually happen. Imagine because that. imagine because the book was still with um, <laughs> you know, a couple of agents still had the manuscript. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when I got accepted by Small Beer, I wrote to everybody and said, Hey, you know, thank you so much, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I just want to let you know that, you know, it's you can you don't have to read it or respond because it's taken care of. Um, and there was someone who wrote back and said um, and he actually had a different manuscript of a book that I don't like, and um, because he he wasn't interested in in a stranger in Alondria, uh, but he was reading something else. And then he said, "Oh, I would like to represent you for a stranger in Alondria." And I was like, "No, I'm good. Thank you." <laughs> well, that, that is kind of how it works sometimes, right? They're like, "Oh, well, there's a deal on the table. Yeah, sure, sure, no problem. Yeah, I'll, I'll help you out." <laughs> that's hilarious well congratulations that I, I love that story i love the 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 whole journey that you you went through and, and it sounds like you just had an amazing adventure really you know from from 98 forward and and then it, it also sounds like that really informed your writing uh yeah absolutely so uh, so tell us about the second yeah. book so the second book um well, as I said, it, you know, it kind of follows uh, A Stranger in Alondria chronologically. It's called The Winged Histories. Um, you read the blurb very nicely. It is, um, it's doing something related but different. And so in the second book, first of all, it is all from, from the point of view of Alondrians, people mm -hmm. who live in Alondria, whereas A Stranger in Alondria obviously was from the perspective right. of an outsider. Okay. So it's kind of um, looking at some of the same ideas. It looks at um, ethnic conflict, religious conflict, um, and ideas of writing and memory. But instead of being an outsider looking in, it's now um, a group of insiders who are participating in sort of this political upheaval. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so and they're all women, which is different from sure. the first book too. And and are you how how much are you playing up the the aspects of of the politics and and everything that's going on in Alondria at that time? Um, I would say I'm not um, playing it up that much in the in the sense that I'm interested in the interior life and experience of the characters. Okay, so it's it's told from these four different points of view and they're all in different parts of Alondria while this um, while this upheaval is happening, this rebellion. Um, and each one of them is just talking about her own um, her own experience. So then in between the sections, there is a kind of running text called From Our Common History, and that, that is sort of a breakdown of like, okay, here's what's actually going on, so, um, to so, make that clear. So you're, you're, telling, you're telling this huge story, but you're telling it on the personal level of these four characters. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> and I'm assuming everything it just is tying together really well. It, could you could you could you almost read the two at the same time and kind of go back and forth a little bit and and You mean a stranger in a laundry and yeah. the winged histories? Yeah. You could. You could. Although I guess I, it's still, you know, um No, I was going to say it would make more sense to read a stranger in a laundry first, but I think you don't really have to. No. Okay. 
Yeah. Very cool. And that, that comes out in March. Yes. And you can pre-order it right now on smallbeerpress.com. Uh, do you have all the formats? Is this, you know, what, is this going to be a hardcover? Is it a soft? What, what are you doing? It's going to be all of them. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> all the forms. Although audio is not a planned yet. Yes. Did you, yet. Re- did you retain your audio rights so you could do it yourself? Uh, wow. <laughs> be right back while I look at my contract. Um. I don't know. Uh, would I do it myself? I don't know. That's a lot of work. Well, and I, and I didn't mean necessarily that you have to record it yourself, but you can. Oh, I you see can, what you mean. You, you know, if, if for example, if it, if it's if it's a book that is published and available on Amazon, you can go to ACX, and um, producers of audiobooks will bid on the project to do it for you. Oh, learn something new every day. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know that. Yes. Well. I talk to a lot of people, so okay. I hear File all these that things. One away. Yes. <laughs> so I, I was just curious. So I actually love consuming books by audio at this point. It's so do I. It it makes it it makes my commute a lot better. Mm-hmm. You know, to and from work. And I've uh, if you've ever heard of Bookworm Blue, Sarah Chorn, uh, I've converted her to audiobooks. She read two hundred and like two hundred and five books last year, and uh, a lot of them were audio now because I converted her. Yes. <laughs> she used to hate them and now she loves them i think it's great if you get a good reader it's the narrator awesome. makes it it yep. has to be you know if you get a weird narrator it's just i've had a couple that i had to stop yes i couldn't listen to them yeah but very few usually they're great usually they are they are so good this is going to be available ebook hardcover softcover everything it's all going to be out there yep awesome and what's what's next? What are what are what are your plans? What are you going to do after this? Well, I'm working on my next book. Yay! Yay! Which <laughs> is a um, it's a book about interactions between Muslims and Mennonites. It is a combination of fiction, history, criticism, and memoir. Wow. And it is framed around a historical event, event which is a trek of um, Mennonites from um, Russia to um, what's now Uzbekistan in the 1880s. Wow. So a bit of a change, a bit of a departure. Yeah. With everything going on, I, I really feel completely uneducated as as an American to all the different things going on, all the different tribes that you Sunni, Shiite, Kurds, all, all the stuff that's going on. I, I feel completely ignorant. I really do. So I, I love that you're, you're, you're going there and you're, you're going to try to, to tell a story and hopefully, you know, open up my stupid Fresno brain. Well, I can't make any promises. Because <laughs> I'm from Fresno. I see. That's all right. But um, yeah, it's it's a really it's a really engaging project. I'm very involved in it, and it's 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 interesting and fun and um, very personal to me because I am Mennonite, and my family is Mennonite on one side and Muslim on the other. So it has a lot of kind of. Yeah, a lot of personal meaning for me. Wow. So, so what's your what's your like research process on something like this? Um, tons of reading <laughs> first, tons of reading, and then I'm also making a trip to Uzbekistan uh, next year. Oh wow! No, wait, it's already 2016. Yes. This year, 
in June. I'm going. Yeah. So it's going to be, let's see, where is you, is that hot climate, cold climate? Um, more research needs to be done <laughs> on what it will be like in June, but I think it will be hot. I was thinking, I was thinking June. Yeah. It's, it's going to be hot. Uh, yeah. Ugh. I'm, I'm, I'm of the pale skin. So the sun is my enemy. I can, I, I burn under the heat of an easy bake oven light. So Understood. yeah, that's kind of scary. Are you doing any cons this year, 2016? I am. I will be guest of honor at WizCon. Ooh, where it all started. Yes. So that's super special to me. It's my it's my home con. It's like my (laughs) it's my favorite and it's the one I've been to most often. And it's just a huge, huge honor for me. I'm really excited. And I have, you know, I went to school there, so I have lots of friends there and I'm really looking forward to it. It's like everything coming full circle. Yes. That's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> Any anything else? Uh, Worldcon, World Fantasy, anything like that? Right now, no, I don't have anything planned. Okay. Yeah, and, I wish. And I told you earlier that I was uh, I'm a nerd, so I'm I'm curious. Are you are you a plotter or a pantser? Oh yes, that's I like that question actually, and I never quite know how to answer it. But I would say I'm definitely more of a pantser, but I have a vague plot outline okay vague vague and subject to change understood yeah yeah but i really um i do a lot of writing to get to the story so both of my novels um the first draft was well the first draft of a stranger in a laundria was twice as long as the finished book okay and the winged histories I'm 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 scared. I haven't looked into it too deeply. I'm afraid to find out how much I cut from <laughs> I, I it was at least, you know, three times the size. And and how do you how do you take it from paper to, to computer? Do you just sit there and type? Yes. Ugh. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna clue you into another little thing. Um I met a guy here in Colorado. Uh, I doubt you've ever heard of him. He's 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 very little known. His name is Kevin J. Anderson. Mm. Um, he's done some stuff here and there, <clears throat> and he actually records himself talking, like just reading out his books. He's writing the book as he's into a recorder, mm-hmm. and he gives it to someone who transcribes it for him. How much does it cost? I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> Do you, do you find when you do you do a straight transcription or do you edit as you go? Um, yeah, I was actually about to say even if it was very cheap, I probably wouldn't do it because I do find it very useful to to actually you know put to type it myself. Sure. Um, little I make little changes, tiny changes um, as I'm putting it into the computer, but very few, and then print it out, and then I have something. You know, I need that that physical paper thing that I can scribble on. Sure. I know actually a lot of people are like that in my critique group. I've got one or two who prefer to do everything on the computer on their critiques. Like they prefer an electronic copy and there's Mm -hmm. folks who just, they want to, they want to scribble on the paper. Yeah. That's, that's what they prefer. And I understand, you know, everybody, everybody's different. That's what's great about all of us. We're all different. (laughs) (laughs) Well, believe it or not, we're running out of time. Oh, wow. That was quick. It does go quick, doesn't it? Yeah, everybody's yeah. always surprised. They they, they, they expect that uh, you know, they've got another 45 minutes to go. 
<laughs> so why don't you tell people uh, your website? It is sophiasamatar.com. And you want to spell that for them? S as in Sam, <laughs> O, F as in Frank, I, A, S as in Sam, A, M as in Mary, A, T as in Tom, A, R. And that's also your Twitter. At, that's also my Twitter. Yep. Yes. Do you do Facebook? Do you invite people to follow you on Facebook or no? Uh, no. Okay. I stopped accepting friends on Facebook. I just don't. I'm not on Facebook that much, and it tires me. <laughs> I don't know. It's just people talk too much. I understood. What about uh, any, any other social media that you want people to know about? No. I am mostly to be found on Twitter. Okay. Very cool. Uh, anything else you want to tell our listeners before I let you go? Thank you for listening. That's what I want to tell them. <laughs> well, I want to tell them to go buy your book. So okay, they you need can to, do that. They need to buy the first one, which they can get now. And then, you know, they'll ravenously read that. And, and they'll already have their pre-order for the second one. So by the time they're done with the first one, the second one will come in. They can just keep going. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> All righty. Well, thanks for coming on tonight. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Hugo Award-winning SF Signal podcast. Your host is Patrick Hester, an author, a blogger, and a functional nerd. His website is www.atfmb.com, which stands for all things from my brain. ATFMB is also his Twitter handle and where you can find him on Facebook. Our podcast is available for download every week at sfsignal.com or via iTunes. Look for the links to subscribe in the sidebar at sfsignal.com or search SF Signal in iTunes. If you enjoyed this podcast, please tell your friends and have them tell their friends and their friends and so on and so on. Visit the Hugo Award-winning sfsignal.com for all of your speculative fiction needs. John D. and the SF Signal regulars offer up new content every day, from weekly mind melts featuring your favorite authors, editors, and artists from the SF and F field, to book reviews, original articles and essays, fiction deals, movie reviews, videos, links and roundup posts, and more. Click the RSS button in the sidebar of your browser to ensure you never miss a post. The SF Signal podcast is powered by the functional nerds. Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou Romeo? Angry um, robot. It's like talking to a child. Magic wooey. Thinking and crap. I don't even know what hey. the horseman is. And scene, you bastard.